So we've got Louie, we've gone for a walk, and we have Hard Waste Collection. Now, if you don't know what Hard Waste Collection is, it's basically where you throw out everything that you don't want onto the front verge. The city comes along, picks it up, and gets rid of it for you. So it's like a free rubbish collection service. But instead of it being exclusively rubbish, people tend to chuck out pieces of furniture and things that are kind of useful around the house. And also, if you're living on a budget, it's a good opportunity to go and look for things that you might need for your house. That, you know, I don't have $200 for a bookshelf, but if there's a free one that'll do the job until I can afford a $200 one, then I'm going to go get the free one. So I always like to keep an open, you know, when you, you know, when you go, I want this particular thing, um, I'm going to keep an eye out for it. And for me, for the longest time, it's actually been a new desk because my old one used to creak when I would lean on it. So I'd lean on it and go, ur, 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 you know, so we're out the other night and I see this table. We're walking along as I walk on the dog and I see this table and I'm like, holy crap, this is really nice, right? And I know how hard waste collection works because I know it takes me less than five minutes from seeing something to having it in the back of my ute and being gone. So I fully appreciate that when you see something that you want, time is of the essence. You need to get moving. So luckily, we're not that far away from home. So I boost at home with Riz and the dog. We grab the car and I think I, like, I literally like went straight home and got the car, got everyone in the car, and went straight back to the table. And as we got back to the table, there's a dude there, right? A dude and his missus, and they're in a little like hatchback sort of, you know, early 2000s, late 90s sort of vehicle. And it's quite obvious that the table's not gonna fit in that car. So he's kind of doing the, the once over. You know what blokes do when they walk around something, they're like, yep, look under it, make sure everything works, there's no obvious damage, that sort of inspection. So they do that, and I pull up, and the sun's just gone down, so it's just gone past dark. I can't really see this bloke's face, but you know, you get the general vibe. He's probably mid 40s, um, just knocked off work. He's in his high vis gear. And uh, as I pulled up, I've like leaned out the window. I said, Ah, bugger, are you getting this, are you? And he goes, Yeah, no, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, Ah, I just, we just came past it then. I've raced home and got my car and came back. He said, Oh, you already saw this? I said, Yeah. He goes, Oh, it's yours. It's yours. I said, oh, are you sure? He goes, yeah, man, absolutely. If you saw it first, it's yours. And I um, pulled up the car. I got out, you know, because I'm, I'm in that mind state of like, you almost get, I get a bit of adrenaline when I, you know, have these experiences of finding something that I'm looking for on the side of the road, literally for free, you know? And a lot of the times it's great quality stuff. I've talked about this before. The clothes racks that I have for my business are these big, beautiful 800 industrial uh, $800 industrial clothes racks. I got four of them for free because a hotel was chucking them out onto the front verge when I was in Perth like uh, 18 months ago. So I get these four clothing racks for free as I'm starting a clothing business. So I fully believe in putting intention into like, I'm looking for a bookcase, I'm looking for a desk, I'm looking for this, I'm looking for that to the universe and then physically look for these things because then the universe will just chuck it to you, but you got to be looking for it, you know? So I'm like, I get this bit of adrenaline, I pull up onto the side of the road, and, I, and I'm like, got out of the car, I'm like, wow, I'm going to get this desk. You know, I, in my mind as well, I've only given it like a 30 second visual. Um, now it's got more value added to it because these other people want it. And I'm like, oh, you know, now I really want it. You know, you can't have, you don't want something until you got told, get told you can't have it. So I'm like walking over there and he said, you know, you can have it because you saw it first. I'm like, you sure, man? He goes, yeah, yeah, I've just um, done up the thing underneath. So they got the two little hinges underneath and it opens up and you know, everything works on it. And I was like, are you sure? You know, like I, I probably didn't ask him, are you sure three times in my head? I felt like I was like, holy shit. I just, I can't believe how genuine this experience is. 
And that's really the essence of what I'm trying to capture here because he is running off old school like way of thinking in my mind. That you saw it first, so it's yours mentality. Dude, that only works if you've grown up and understood that as a rule. Because if someone tries to imply that shit on you or tries to tell you that that's how the way things are when you don't believe that, it makes no sense. You saw it first, so so it's yours. It's like, yeah, dude, I'm the one here right now standing next to it, so it's mine. If he had said that, it would have been like, you know what, you're right. But I also, in a deeper way, understand when he said, you saw it first, it's yours. And that should just rock me for a minute. Hey, because this desk is beautiful. It's actually a dining room table. And it's funny because when my dad had his business, he used to do, he used to operate out of this diary, this A4 diary that I now also operate out of, you know, this is, this is my diary here. And it's like, you know, page to a day. I record everything down in it so that I don't just record things that are upcoming. I record things as they happen. And the cool thing about, sorry, let's just talk about my diary for a second. Cool thing about my diary as well is at the end of every day, I also do like a reflection. And that can just be like talking about what happened. That can be talking about a particular thing that happened and how it made me feel if it was, you know, a big positive thing or a big negative thing. But it's just an opportunity to make a record of everything that's going on, at least for the business, so that in 10 years time, when Black Ink is fucking a multi-billion dollar enterprise, I can look back and go, this is exactly how it started. You know, I can reflect on these moments and days and weeks and months of absolute confusion and not understanding where I'm going, but knowing I have a greater purpose and I just need to continue on this path and do these things. I'll be able to reflect on that emotion as it's expressed in this diary. Anyway, as I was saying, dad used to have his business, which was like a contracting business. And it had a lot of moving pieces, a lot of moving parts, a lot of people, a lot of um, tasks that were involved in. Like I had a lot of width and depth which meant that he always had to be recording things. And it's funny because he used to operate off the dining room table because he would say there was not enough space on his desk in the office. Now, I'm not sure if you saw my last desk, which was a desk, you know, it's a, it's a table. It's not a desk, sorry. It's a, it's a very big kind of portable table and the legs fold down on it. And that's what caused it to creak actually was the legs weren't like a fixed thing. And the, the movement in the fixture points because the table was so old, would make heaps of sound. From memory, I think I got that table from the same place that I got the uh, clothes hangers from, the racks. From memory, I think that's correct. And a little, um, you might even be able to see it on camera. No, you can't. It's a little like filing cabinet. Yeah, they were just like chucking out all this stuff at this hotel. And obviously being a hotel, they're like, we're not going to sell it on fucking Gumtree for 40 bucks. Just chuck it out the front and get rid of it. So... When I, uh, when I saw this dining room table, my mind didn't go like, oh, it's a dining room table, can it work? I like had this prerequisite, this like preloaded idea that like, oh, this is a great desk. And the reason it's a great desk is because it's so big, because it's a dining table. It allows me to spread all my stuff out. And if I'm working on a project that requires 10 pieces of A4 paper, which I sometimes have, I can do that and it's not a problem. And you know what's really crazy? If I want to like double this thing's size, I just undo these hinges, open this bitch up, and we've got like another 100 square feet to play with. You understand? This table is the shit. So going back to when the bloke says, you know, this is yours, I'm like, okay, that's crazy, man. Thank you so much. Uh, and he goes, here, I'll give you a hand to load it. What? You just let me have this table, which you know, 
you, you, I can tell this dude understands value. That's why he, he's here and fucking with it, even though he's got a Ford Festiva to take it home with. And I know this dude's smart enough to make a plan to still get it home, right? So I'm like, bro, you're going to help me load this thing in the back? He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sweet. So we grab an end each. We take it across the road. It's quite heavy. And, you know, he looks at the back of the ute. I look at the back of the ute. I open it all up. Bob's drunk. We get it in there. We're all good. And at, the, at that time, I was like so appreciative and so grateful as you are, you know, and also a little bit fucking, you're almost shaky that you've got a dream because I've just got this, this desk for free. And I'm like, you know, in my mind, I see it as just another thing that has happened where I've asked the universe and it's directly answered by giving me the thing that I'm looking for. Now, I've been looking for a new desk for over six weeks. It's not like I woke up that morning and said, oh, desk, please. And then the universe was like, here you go, bud. Not at all. I had identified that it was a problem. Um, I had let it go on for so long that that little problem was actually starting to niggle me. It's like, should I just fix this desk? Should I just find out exactly, like, should I just spray these hinges or should I jam some newspaper in there so that it doesn't let it move? Or what do, what do is that the option I needed to do? And I let it, I, it's funny actually, side note, I've been doing this thing lately where I try and let things that annoy me, annoy me. I, I, because I find I'm on this track of having to problem solve everything. So if something annoys me, it's like solve that problem. If something needs to be done, solve that problem. If someone's upset, solve that problem. You know, you're not making any money, solve that problem. You're not reading enough books, solve that problem. So all these things where it's like solve that problem. I found that like being annoyed by things is just human. It's just human. It's not saying that has to be fixed. And sometimes you can be annoyed by something all the time. And the muscle that you exercise of solving problems can be really strong, but the muscle of understanding and being able to manage something that's annoying is a completely separate muscle it needs to be exercised the exact same way if it's gonna build strength. So to me, I was like, let this shit annoy you. Like it's fine, it's a little squeak. Literally it does not change your output at all. You control how much it changes your output, so let the squeak squeak, right? And then by the time I got to a point where I could understand that there was something happening, the desk was squeaking. I could isolate the trigger in my mind where I go, this thing's squeaking and it shouldn't be squeaking and my whole life is spent at this desk so I may as well put some effort into fixing this and then I let that emotion spark that comes from the trigger, right? Something happens, you get triggered, an emotion follows and then you've got a decision to make. Am I this emotion or am I the person who deals with this emotion? So I took the second option as many times as I could until I got to a point where that became the natural way that I would go at that fork in the intersection instead of going like, I'm angry, squeaky desk, motherfuck, you know? Instead, squeaky desk, I'm angry, and I'm on a boat in the ocean and the wave goes past me, right? That emotion just goes past me. The water goes under the bridge, the car goes past you, whatever you want, whatever fucking analogy works for you, the squeaky desk doesn't bother me. And Bob's your uncle, just in that time period where the squeaky desk doesn't bother me, the universe goes, you know what? You know what, kid? You deserve it. You deserve it. How's this? This is the universe talking, by the way. The universe goes, not only am I going to give you a desk, I'm going to tie it in with a almost baffling experience that you're going to have with another person. And it's going to make you have such a deep appreciation for this piece of furniture that you got for free off the side of the road that you're going to talk about it on a podcast right? And here's me just fucking sitting on my couch, making a reel or something to upload to bloody Instagram, unbeknownst that the universe is 
guiding me down this beautiful path of attaining a desk. And you know what? Here we are, right? Here we are. So the first thing I need to do is shout out homeboy who made all this happen for me, right? Because I could have just got the desk and it could have been beautiful and I could have had it and it could have da-da-da-da. But this now made me like reflect on what the fuck was happening, right? This dude, in his mind, I don't know what he thought. I like to think that it went along the lines of, man, here's a young dude who realizes value. He's already been passed here and he's now come back. So he's serious, right? He's serious. I found this a couple of minutes ago, but this dude's serious. And when it comes down to it, if we're both at Bunnings and there's only one dustpan and brush left in the box in the middle where they put all the specials and we're walking and I grab it first and I look up and someone else is about to grab it and he did see it first, that's his dustpan and brush, right? That's old school as fuck. That's the way my dad operates. That's the way all the people that I respect operate. They've got integrity about them, right? And you know, there's another bad motherfucker who has integrity about them. When that moment comes up, you be grateful and you accept it. You thank them and you move on and you pay it the fuck forward because that's what it's all about, right? That's the shit that I put in my story last week saying, hey man, today's the day. Buy someone else a coffee, pay it forward. Buy the next person in lines coffee if you're at the drive-thru. Like whatever it is, man, just do a little something. Just a little something now. You don't have to do a little something every day. Don't worry about tomorrow and the day after. Just do something today. You know, and it will, it'll come back around. I'm not here to preach about this shit, man. I just wanted to say something that was cool. And man, hey, what are you growling at? I think she heard the chair squeak and she was like, don't worry, dad, I'm onto it. Mm. So just to fucking recap, hello, ladies and gentlemen, my name is Jake Kerr. This is a Black Ink podcast and I'd like to officially welcome you now that we are 14 minutes into the podcast. Okay, now I've got a list of things here that I that have been interesting things that have been happening lately. And I just thought I'd give you a little catch up on what's happening in the wide world of Black Ink because I'm not sure if you know this, but today being the 8th of March, 2023, was meant to be the day that I was departing on my Harley Davidson motorcycle across the country, across the Nullarbor with my father on an adventure of a lifetime to visit Brighter Days Music Festival, which is a three-day motorcycle music and car festival that happens in the mountains of Bright, Victoria. Go back and listen to that again, huh? So, the idea was we'll ride across, take four days, get to Victoria, go to this festival, fuck around a bit, ride around a bit of regional Victoria and ride home. The whole trip takes about two weeks and it's basically just two weeks of sitting on your ass on a motorcycle doing the thing. You know, if you're not doing that, you're drinking piss, having fun, falling over, da-da-da. And the whole lot was with my dad. Now, unfortunately, I don't have access to my motorbike at the moment. Uh... For reasons that I can't get into on the podcast yet. I'm very excited to talk about this later on, but for now, we're just going to leave it off the internet. So, my plans have changed a little bit. Instead of leaving on my Harley Davidson two hours ago with my dad and heading towards Perth, towards Norseman, Baladonia, Sojourner, and so on, I'm now flying out of Bustleton at 11.15 on Wednesday morning, which is probably tomorrow if you're watching this the day it came out. So, My plans have changed. The amount of money that I would have spent on accommodation and fuel and bits and pieces across the Nullarbor and back is about the same that it costs to fly and equip myself with a vehicle the entire time. Both of them have their pros and cons, both options. I wish, you know, I've been feeling a range of emotions leading up to today because obviously the idea isn't necessarily about riding your bike across the country. It's not actually that fun. It's the idea of going through something that is... I'm going to say uncomfortable. It's an uncomfortable situation. 
but doing it with someone, uh, you know, it's kind of like if you go for a three-day camp or something with, you know, just a bloke, you know, from work. And at the end of that three days, you two seem to have like actually got a real like friendship connection sort of thing. But for some reason, it doesn't really last when, you know, when you're at work and that. That's because when you go through something that's even a little bit tough or a little bit uh, difficult or a little bit uncomfortable, you tend to build a bond with that person. It's kind of like, you know, trauma bonding sort of thing because we went through this together, we're closer. And to have that experience with my dad and to do it with, to do it on, you know, motorbikes and just how, how much that ties into our relationship and, and how important motorbike riding is to both of us, it's kind of, it's disheartening. I feel a little disenfranchised by it. Uh, I don't even know what disenfranchised means. I feel a little um, robbed, actually, because it's not necessarily the music festival or the all the bullshit that goes into the planning and all that. It's like that, pulling up the bike at the end of the day and just knowing that like we did a thousand Ks together today and you know and like sharing that meal together and you know that that alarm that goes off in the mornings where you got to wake up before the sun and get ready so as soon as that sun's up you can get going you know and I don't get to have that experience now and this is the last time that dad's going to be doing a big ride so the idea kind of was that that last big ride we'll get in together and you know it sucks it fucking sucks hard because you know, I feel like most people struggle to live a life of purpose and of value that they really respect and appreciate and are grateful for. I feel like a lot of people slip into the cracks of just like, you know, oh, I'm doing the thing, you know, I got a job and I found a missus and we had a kid and we got this car and, you know, like, I feel like I've really carved out something cool for me, you know, I'm not saying that it's cool in comparison to everyone else. I'm saying that it's cool for me. It's cool in comparison to my er, to me earlier in my life. And now I feel like, like, I've really got a life that I want to live. And this was such a pinnacle moment in my plan for the year. You know, it was like something that I was looking forward to. It was something that this morning of like leaving, and you know that fucking fresh air as you're about to embark on an $8,000 8,000-kilometer uh, trip, you know, that, the, the moments before that and then the moments during it and then being able to reflect on that trip years later and all the little stories that happen. It's like, now I'm going to spend fucking three days with my dad out of those two weeks, you know? And it sucks. It just fucking, it's just not cool. And, you know... I guess I get to re I could recreate this another way. You know, I'm just fucking thinking out loud at the moment, but to be honest, like I I'm a bit sad. I just wanted to, you know, I'm not sure that well a lot of people knew that I was going across the country on my bike with a mile man because I was putting it in my story the progression of building the sissy bar for the back, finding the saddlebags, making them fit and then putting the batwing fender on the front, getting everything ready, getting the new tire, jacking up the suspension. And then, you know, in, in two hours, I bloody lost it all. So, and yeah, and I, I had a bit of an interesting situation following that where there was, there was, uh, there was the <clears throat> indication that I would still be able to do it given the circumstances. And then at the 11th hour, that decision was changed for me. So I... You know, this is just a situation that I'm in. And you know what? I'm still fucking grateful that I get to go. And realistically, sitting in a plane for four hours rather than sitting on a bike for four days 
Uh, it's an easy decision to make. Yes, I've lost this time with my dad. I'm very grateful that I, I, you know, I have a business for myself and dad's in a good position where we can just go and get lunch or coffee any day of the week and I'm appreciative of that, you know. But again, this is like, it was kind of like, it's kind of like a, a, a mini chapter of my life I feel like was taken away from me before I had the um, opportunity to experience it. But with that said, man, I also feel like there was, uh, like when, when I first found out I couldn't go, um, which was about 26 days ago today, um, when I first found out, I was like, you know what? Something tells me that I wasn't meant to ride across a Nullarbor, but I'm going to try and see if I can still make it happen. And in the process of trying to still make it happen, I actually said to myself, like, right, if this gets through and it does happen, sweet. No more questions asked. But if this does go through and then something else happens, that is the universe saying, fucking bail on this. Do not do that. Do not fight a third time. Don't make it happen. You need to just fucking move away from it because the timing of everything else with the whole situation, as I said, I'm not going to go into it, but with the timing of everything else, it's too uncanny to suggest just coincidence, especially when I live such a life of intuition and also freedom that allows me to have purposeful decision-making, right? So sometimes like this desk arriving and like that bloke saying, hey man, have the desk, that's yours. Have the table, that's yours. Listening to the universe in moments like that when you've been asking for a new table for the longest time, this is exactly the same for me. So it's like, right, we're going to take your bike away from you, the universe, we're going to take that away. And you're like, oh, but I was meant to. And the universe goes, I know. Think about what's just, ha just happened though, right? We took your bike away from you just before you were meant to go and do something. Really? You think that's a coincidence? And I'm like, no, no, no. Let me, let me rearrange the universe to suit my liking. No, I'm going to pull this string. I'm going to put that letter over there. I'm going to see if I can. And what happens? The universe goes, okay. And then right at the last second, yanks it back again. You've got to listen to that. Now the universe is making it too obvious. If you go against this, you deserve whatever happens, right? So I go, okay, fine. And it took me six hours to decide once I got that bit of information that the bike wasn't mine, I'm just going to fly. Because there was the option to drive with dad. There was the option to, you know, get someone else's bike and ride that, which I'd be very appreciative of and grateful of as well. But at the same time, I want it to be my bike. That's how I saw it happening in my mind. I don't really, like, I'm not fucking with getting a back injury just because I, you know, I would need to make it happen on a motorbike, which is what happens. You ride someone else's motorbike that you're not used to and they've got a different seat, a different setup. You know, I've got a low and slow, big slope sort of angle on my back with high ape hangers. Like that's what my body is used to because I've done 40,000 Ks on the bike. So I thought, you know what? I'm not that keen to ride someone else's bike. I'm just going to fly. I'm going to rewrite this story and that's fine. And we're on D-Day. Day, today was the day I'm supposed to leave. And obviously this time in two days time, I'll be heading towards the airport. Actually, right now in two days time, I'll be getting my bike back. And now you can understand a bit more of the fucking heartbreak, you know? If you leave today, you get to the festival just on time. So if you left on Wednesday, you would get to the festival with one day of it to go. So, But that's okay. That's okay. I accept responsibility for whatever happens and whatever has happened. So so interesting little spot in my life i've been trying to make sure that i get all of the work that i need done done before i leave and on top of that i'm at a really interesting fork in the road with black ink and i want to talk about this because this is another one of those things where to the hundred people who watch my podcast you have the inside word but to everyone else who's observing it from the outside uh 
it's a it's an interesting thing that's going to happen because I feel like it's going to look like it was very well directed, um, very well planned and very well executed. I tend to have the um, good innate ability of having those outcomes when I put things together and when I put them out to the world. Um, a lot of the times behind the scenes, I'm actually just, you know, hair falling out, stress, trying to go like, oh, fuck, how do I make this happen? Or how do I continue to make this happen? Now, what I've done, it's been, sorry, I shouldn't drink coffee on the podcast, it bloody, it gives you the worst, like, gunk in your back of your mouth, so you have to, like, to talk. Terrible. Should have learnt off Rogan. So, I'm now at a point with Black Ink where I'm basically, I have a cash flow, so I'm living, I'm paying my rent, I'm paying my bills, it's great. But it's a very uh, inconsistent cash flow and it probably isn't sustainable in the long term. It's very much try something if it works, very good, make the money, write it down, try something else. If it doesn't work, all good, we've still got some money over here and we can do another project that's a little bit different and see if that works. So basically what I've been doing for two years now is trying a whole bunch of different things. A few things I've done over and over and over, a few things I've done, you know, two or three times and a few things I've done just once because you realize, you know, okay, that was a big project and it did work really well. That's great. I know that. Move on. And some things you do once and you immediately know like, oh, don't buy 400 G-strings at once if you can't sell 50 T-shirts, you know, because even if you're selling packs of three, that's still like 120 or 130 fucking orders that you have to fulfill with just G-strings. So... What I have now decided to do is take a more business-to-business uh, -business approach rather than uh, business-to-customer. So if you're unaware of what that means, it pretty much means that I'm going to be doing work for companies and businesses rather than individuals from the public. Now, the reason that is, is that I've identified the strengths of my business are in-house production, uh, graphic design, and having interpersonal relationships with the people who are you know, with the customer basically, or with the person who's responsible for the business. Now, as a business myself, I know that one of the sore points of having to operate with other businesses is either not speaking to the same person every time, or things not being recorded appropriately so that you can actually like do whatever you've got to do or make progress however you've got to make progress. So what I have uh, decided to do is take a less directed approach at making black ink garments and selling them on a regular basis. And what I'm going to focus on is making other people's garments. Now, I believe I have the skills and the knowledge and the experience necessary to make things that look good. Because essentially, that's what all this is about, is making things look good. The next step is marketing it well. And then the step after that is selling it well. Now, I've had to get good at all of these steps myself, because I'm the only one who runs this business, and expand you know, my knowledge on those things appropriately and timely or in a timely manner so that, you know, you don't get really good at marketing before you can make a good product or before you can sell it well, you know, and change any of those three words out with the other word. You don't get good at sales until you've got a good product and you know how to market it well. You don't, you don't, some people are actually really good at making products and have no idea how to market themselves and no, how, no idea how to sell things. That's a really common thing. Rarely do you get someone who's really good at marketing and really good at sales and doesn't know how to make something good because these people understand what they're selling at such an intricate level that they know what it takes to make a good product. Now, what I've found is that I have an organic sense of these things anyway. I've been thinking about how the movie is made longer than I've been enjoying the movie itself, 
right? So this means that I care about what's going on behind the stage, I care about what's going on on the stage, and I care about what's going on in the crowd, and I care about what's going on in the building and in the car park and in the town. I just love all parts of the process. I love the fact that Black Ink has had times of absolute fucking no hope and despair, and I love that Black Ink has had these you know, pinnacle moments where I've made heaps of money, made a great product, marketed it really well, and sold it really well, you know, and everything in between. I'm a fan of the process, right? Anyway, we've got off point. So what I've done is I've gone, right, what are the sore kind of pain points of my business? And where do they exist in other businesses that are around me, okay? So my idea has been consistently like do what is good to you, uh, do what is good for you within reach and within your skill set. So using that terminology, I go, right, what can I do for businesses in my town that I am good at where I can offer value, right? I've come up with that answer in my mind and I don't want to give away too much right now because I still have a lot of planning, I still have a lot of testing and I still have a lot of um, brainstorming to do before I properly give it away. But at this point, I am excited to say that Black Ink will be dialing down the individual customer sales. We still will be releasing uh, one-off items and mini collections and stuff like that. There's not gonna be regular tea releases. There's not gonna be, uh, most of the stuff that's available on my website right now is not gonna exist in two weeks time. I'm gonna dial it down to a core essentials range, and then I'm gonna very occasionally, probably once a month or once every six weeks, release either a piece or a collection of clothes that will be temporary, might be up for like a month or something. But what I'm going to then focus on is, as I said, without giving away too much, the business to business, super valuable packages that will allow their business to grow in a way that is kind of unique to Black Ink. I think it's really cool. And I'm not even gonna take the, uh, the valor for the idea. This was all Jordan G and Francesco, who is, by the way, one of my most uh, valued mentors. He has been such a, this is the thing about Jordy, man. Jordy's an ideas man. You go to Jordy with like a fucking topic and he's like, oh, here's 15 ways to make money from it. And here's the way that I'd do it. It's like, how, what? I don't even understand. How do you come up with shit like that? You know what I mean? Like he's just one of those people that, sees the parameters, sees what you've got to work with, and then just goes, this is a great idea. And it's not even necessarily about making money. Geordie's just a creative person. And to be honest with you, like most of the major like um, term points for Black Ink, since I started up this second time around, so in the past two years, there are like three major moments that happen in Black Ink. And when I reverse engineer all three of those moments, it was from either a suggestion or a comment that Geordie made while we're drinking coffee together. It's, it's bloody unreal. And thinking about it now in 2023, I can remember like eight years ago when Black Ink was a coffee van and I was at Geordie's place, which was a darkroom concept, right? So where, where Lost Bills is now, that that um, lease used to be Geordie's and he had a clothing shop in there. And he'd have this couch at the end, he'd have his table in the middle and all these beautiful clothes all around. And quite often you'd go in there just for a hangout, you'd drink coffee, you'd, you'd have a chat, whatever it was. And I remember telling Geordie about this um, problem that I was having with cups or something with black ink. I'm paying too much for cups, I'm paying too much for lids. And he goes, bro, just jump on Alibaba 
and email someone who makes cups and get them to like print them with your logo on them. And just say, oh, look, I need a sample. Just give, send us a, a 500 samples and I'll run them and see how they go. And if it's all good, I'll, I'll get your business and move on. And, uh, you know, just say that you want it for free. And I was like, I can't do that. He goes, yeah, yeah, you can. You just email them and just say, hey, I just want 500 free samples. Here's my logo. And realistically, just send it to like 10 different companies. One of them will say yes. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, good idea. Thanks, man. And went out and never did it. Never did it because I was like, oh, you can't do that. And now it's funny. Alibaba, if you ask anyone for a free sample, they'll laugh at you. You know, there's a few of them with cheaper products. that go like, oh, yeah, sure. You pay the shipping. I'll give you a sample. No one will do any custom work like putting your logo on it because just because you asked for a free sample. And that is because so many people during that time period that Geordie gave me the advice did exactly that. They go, hey man, can I just have 500 free samples? I'm doing fucking 10,000 cups a day. If your shit slaps, we'll use you flat out. And the, those companies will go like, fuck yeah, 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 have all the samples. But they then figured out that, you know, American, Australian, whoever, Western bloody customers were doing just that and getting heaps of free samples from heaps of people all at once and never paying for that particular product. Geordie was, had his finger on the pulse. Geordie knew what was happening. And it's funny now because I'm in a spot where I've kind of elected this particular path for myself where I'm going to be a business for myself. I'm going to make, you know, I'm, I'm basically uh, hinging my life on the ability to make money by not having a job. That's what it is in its simplest form. It's basically just waking up and going like, right, any money you make for yourself today is all yours. You can make 10 bucks, you can make a million bucks. It's just all to do with your decisions and your communication, your ability to execute any ideas that you might have that can make money, right? And Geordie's been in that spot for a minute. You know, I did it a little bit with my coffee van, but even then it's not the same because I still had this routine. You got to wake up Monday to Friday. You got to be awake at five. You got to be on the road by six. You got to be making coffees. You got to make a hundred a day minimum. You know, you've got to be selling food. You got to be doing this. You got to be doing events. And if you don't do all that, the bank will take your house. You know, if you don't do that, then the, the bank is going to, the bank goes, oh, you got a loan here, here and here. Well, we need all of that back in money or equity. What do you got? Right. Which is exactly the same as anyone who's got a job. You know, you've got to wake up, you've got to go to work at this time, you get to, you know, take a shit at this time, you get to smoke a cigarette at this time, and then you can't go home until this time, right? And we're probably going to need you on Saturday because there's shit to do, right? It's the exact same position. But this position we're in now is wild. When I say we, I mean like, you know, me as in, we as in me and Geordie I'm talking about in this situation. When I talk to Geordie, I've realized this in the past. And Geordie, if you're listening to this, here's a little insight into how I've uh, perceived our relationship, right? So I used to do this thing where Geordie would say something and I'd be like, okay. And most of the time I'm like, I have no idea why this is important, right? And you go, okay, yeah, cool, cool. And me just looking at him with a blank look on my face and him probably thinking like, bro, write this down and come back to it in five years time, trust me. But... I go, okay, cool, right? And then you would leave that conversation or that situation and I would like dissect, like, why would that be important? Why would I do this, you know? And the coffee cup example isn't an example of this. Most of the time, it's Geordie showing me something that he's working on and then showing the part of it that is interesting to him, right? And that's always that's always really important, right? Because if you come around and I'm like, hey, like, I, I, I want you to understand that I can do this, 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 and this with my business, 
And you're like, all right, well, why is that important? Well, it's important because I've gone through all the shit that it takes to get to this point. And I realize that this is the part that makes sense. This is the part that actually makes money. This is the part that I'm excited about because I've had to refine all the bullshit that I've gone down to, uh, gone through to this. And now this is the bit that I go, ah, but the problem is, ah, doesn't exist unless you've been through all the shit that you had to go through. So when Jordy would say these things, I go like, well, why is that important? And most of the time, I would just log it in the back burner and go like, I'll come back to that because it doesn't make sense. And now as a businessman, as like a fucking infinite intelligent craftsman, right? I see these moments where Geordie's saying something to me and explaining something or showing me something. And I go, why doesn't this make sense? And I realize, oh, this is a two years from time now point, right? This is a point that make sense to him because he's been through so much, so much more of this, like trying to travel through space and time with no obvious direction that you're meant to go in, but just kind of feeling like this is the right way to go. So you keep going. He's been doing that for that much longer that he's giving you a cheat code right now, right? He's giving you the ability to go like, oh, this is important. Here's an analogy of how it works and here's why it's important with that. It's not necessarily this that we're talking about, but it's that structure that you can then use for other things. Now look, Jordy, I don't know if you're having this going on in your mind as well. It probably isn't happening like that for all I know, but this is what I'm taking out of our conversations now. And now I feel like as odd as it sounds, and this is just like a coping mechanism of my absolute, um, I don't want to call it lack of education, probably just lack of business experience. I have this ability now to understand things where I go, okay, see the bigger picture understand that you know when Geordie gives me ambitious ideas when he gives me these things that are massive massive ideas right massive listen to it don't don't try and come up with, with your way with don't try and come up with a way in your mind as to why it doesn't work or reason why reasons why it doesn't work vote for this pretend that you're playing devil's advocate to your devil's advocate to him right so your immediate thing, and this is, this is, I don't know if this is just me. I don't know if this is fucking everyone. I've got a feeling it's everyone. So when someone tells you an idea that isn't your idea, you go, no, 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 here's why it doesn't work. Here's why I'm smarter than you, right? That's what you do. So you need to play devil's advocate to that inner bitch that you've got and go, okay, I get that I don't want to agree with this idea, but I'm going to pretend like I have to agree with this idea and defend it, right? And then when you start to defend things, I go, oh, oh, dude, this idea is fucking sick. If I did this for five years, the overall outcome is so much more significantly bigger than if I follow this bullshit that I've, not bullshit, but this, this idea that I have from my experiences, from everything that it's taken me to get to this point. Yeah, it's, you know, I was level one and now I'm level five, right? But when a level 15 gives you some advice, you know what you do? You take it <laughs> because they had to get 10 levels ahead of you to get to the point where they realized that advice is important. So now I get this idea that he's given me about black ink, which by the way, I didn't ask him for. This is the thing. This is, this is the epic thing about creatives, right? Is that life is so open and free for chances or for episodes of creativity to happen that most of the time you don't sit down and try and come up with a good idea. Most of the time you're like drinking coffee and you're like, oh, true. Oh, let me write this down. Oh, wow. Hang on. Yeah. Get the pen. Get, get a whiteboard. Shit. Right. 
And like I went around there just to have coffee. I went around there to talk to him about some shit that I'm going through personally, right? And it was like a side part of the personal shit. I'm like, oh, and, and you know, this, this, you know. And Geordie's taken that little bit of information and he's turned it into basically the concept for a new business that is just like taking all the best parts of my current business and optimizing them to give me a more like not only significant but sustainable cash flow for the future and also really opens the door to scale my business in a completely different way that I'm doing it at the moment. So thank you, Jordan, right? Uh, and also keep giving me ideas, right? Because every time you give me an idea, it fucking tends to jump me forward one of those stages. Dude, this is the thing. You wanna know, do you wanna know the person who told me about vinyl transfers? It was fucking Jordan. Jordan told me at the coffee club, at the coffee club. What the fuck were we doing at the coffee club though? You know? It's crazy. And I mean that, here is an example of like the universe doing the thing, right? I remember thinking like, oh yeah, I would love to catch up with Geordie because it's funny, uh, when you first get into business, you wanna tell everyone that you're into business and you're having these really significant business things. Well, that was my experience and that's the experience that I'm having with people I now see messaging me going like, oh, you know, can, can I just have half an hour of your time? I'll buy you a coffee or, you know, a phone call or whatever. And it's like, just send me your basic ideas, bro, and, I'm, and we'll figure it out from there. But you really wanna like tell everyone about what you got going on. I remember thinking like, oh, I wanna tell Geordie that I've got this and this and this going on. I just bought the screen printer and I pulled into the forum and and I fucking pulled, I pulled into the forum and I think he was already there. Long story short, because I don't want to be thinking on a podcast, I run into him, I have this conversation about my screen printer. I just spent $2,000 on my screen printer, which at the time was massive because I had no money whatsoever and as I ran out of money, I sold my caravan, so I had all this money. And then, you know, a big chunk of it was like, I had to pay someone back some money, had to do this, had to do that, but, and buy the screen printer, which left me, you know, like $2,000 to fucking survive on for the next however long it takes me to start making money with a screen printer. And he goes, bro, you know, you, you know, you know screen printers like yesterday's shit, today's shit is vinyl. You've got to get onto vinyl. And I'm like, how does it, what do you mean? He goes, man, it's just like a sandwich press, except it cooks vinyl onto t-shirts or whatever material you've got. And I was like, ah, oh, Okay, and again, in my mind, I'm like, fuck this guy, what is he talking about, right? So then he goes on to tell me like, dude, you can get like an A4 page, right? And say if your logo is this big and you can fit that on there 100 times or 50 times, but the page only costs like $5 to make, right? So then that means you've only got the cost of your tea plus the vinyl, right? In that, in that instance, it might be like fucking 20 cents it might be like 35 it might be seven cents you know if it's a big logo it depends on what it is right and i'm like oh okay cool cool that's very cool man again in the back of my mind i'm like nah i got my screen printer bro i got it figured out i've been in business for six months now dude right level 2.5 get out of the way so i end up going away and i'm like i think actually what first happened was i got the idea i was like yeah cool i need a heat press anyway because it takes heat to finish the screen print so i had a friend who i knew had a heat press and he let me borrow it and i started using it for the screen print and then i remember for some reason velflex sent me out a sample pack of heat press stuff and when i first used it, it just didn't work because i was using like their stuff is all perfectly calibrated to their heat presses. So if it says 10 seconds uh, at four bar 
with six pressure, you just set all that on the machine, you do it and it works perfectly every time. If you're using another heat press that you don't really have, you know, it says it's 150 degrees, but it might be 145 or 160 or whatever it might be. Um, and also there's no control over the pressure. It's just by feel on how it feels to pull down. So I wasn't getting great results and I was like, yeah, kind of fuck this game, you know? And then one day, I just got a run where they worked, where I think I bought like 10 of these heat pressings for a customer. And this is when like I would get a job that was $500 and I would profit maybe 150 out of it. And I would fuck up so much that it would end up costing me $50 for the job. You know, this is back in those days. And it was it's at, at one point, it was like job after job after job after job. I'm, like, I'm just making no money. I keep fucking up. So <clears throat> I had this run of like 10 that just went really well. And I'm like, fuck, this is nuts. So I start looking up like their heat presses because I'm like, I'm not going to be able to borrow this forever. And I think for the money that he wanted for it, I didn't have that amount of money. So I was like, I can't buy this off you. And if I could buy it off you, it would have to be for this price. So I look up how much the new heat press is going to be. And it's like two and a half grand. It's fucking so expensive. Yep, just there. And... Uh, Without going into it, I actually had a silent investor find out about all this and he, he just said, dude, if you want to make this happen, let's get it. I don't give a fuck. Let's get it. I've got the money sitting there. Tell me how you want to do it and we'll do it. So we end up buying the, the heat press. And then coincidentally, like four months later, I end up buying myself a vinyl cutter and printer. And then I like figured out like, oh, fuck, I can get, because it's got a cutter in it. I, I realized I can put heat press vinyl in there and it can cut it out for me. And then I can apply that onto the shirt and I can do like solo color stuff. So I'm like, shit, I can do everything that my screen printer can do. So I'm like, okay, well, let's get rid of the screen printer because it takes up all of my space. So I get rid of the screen printer. I sell that. And it's funny because I was on the phone to the guys at Velflex and I said, hey, is there like a, a, a printable a printable vinyl that I can apply onto shirts? They're like, yeah, man. Yeah. I said, oh, so what type of print do I need? And they're like, oh, you need EcoSoul. Um you know, what is it, uh, cayenne, magenta, you know, whatever the colors are. I was like, CMYK. And CMYKB? Anyway, <laughs> Young Money Cash Money. It's not that, it stands for the names of the colors. And I was like, oh, so I've got a um, Roland SP300V and it takes EcoSoul, um, you know, RGBC, whatever it is, RGBK. Um, so that means that if I got this vinyl, I could print it and cut it and apply it onto shirts. And they're like, dude, fuck yeah, you can. And this was when it all changed, dude. This is when shit all changed, right? So that then allowed me, I got rid of the screen printer. I got my money back on that investment. I could now execute everything in my range from inside my fucking studio. And if I couldn't do it, it meant it got done locally at a DTG printer. So all of the full color stuff that takes up a lot of property on the shirt, if you use vinyl, you can feel that property underneath the shirt. So if I had a big transfer here, you'd put your hand under the shirt and you'd be like, oh, it's right there, I can feel it. So this here, even though this is small enough to be a vinyl transfer, this is a DTG print, which means direct to garment. Now, Shane down at Brumby Print does all of my direct to garment printing, right? So. Anything that I can't do, anything that's very vibrant or uses up a lot of the property on the shirt, I get a DTG printed because it's the smarter, more uh, long-lasting option that's going to give you a better color for a longer amount of time and you're not going to feel it as you're wearing it. You know, you get sweaty and you feel that vinyl. You're like, fuck me, why isn't this a DTG? So, this was a major, this was a major moment for Black Ink because it now meant that I had complete ability 
to create whatever I wanted as far as like basic garment decoration is concerned. This all came from that conversation with Geordie, right? All came from that conversation with Geordie. By the way, the part that I was thinking about that was so memorable about that particular coffee was that when we walked back to our cars, we got out the front, it's like, oh, where'd you park? And he's like, oh, I'm over here. I said, oh, I'm, I'm over here as well. We fucking coincidentally had parked like in front of each other. It was fucking nuts. It was nuts for me, you know, I lived a pretty basic life up until that moment. Now I get fucking tables for free off the side of the road given to me by, 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 good, by good people, by good men. Dude, if someone is parked in front of me at fucking the forum now, I'm just like, oh, wow. Nah, I'm just kidding. It's still pretty impressive. But yeah, man, that's the thing. Like so many moments of Black Ink's history have been like really hinged around conversations that I've had with Jordan. So now I try and have as many of those conversations as possible without being annoying, which reminds me, I should probably send him a message and have coffee with him before I go to Melbourne. And dude, I'll tell you one thing you fucking cannot do is bring up owning a dog around people who have new children. Now look, there are two of my very close friends at the moment that have brand new children. And I mean, one of them, I'm kind of talking about you, but not really, because he gets it. Both of you, I'm not talking about you. I'm just saying in general, like, I love my dog to death, but goddamn, I can't say that around people who've got new babies. They're like, you don't fucking get it, bro. <laughs> this guy thinks he loves his dog. Wait till you have a kid. Wait till you have a kid, bro. Then you'll fucking understand what love is. And I'm like, oh yeah, true. This connection I have with my dog is fucking pathetic compared to what you have with your child. Yeah, no, I get it. I'm the dickhead, you know? <laughs> it's fucking stupid. Like, can't I love my dog? Can't I have a really strong connection with this animal that I spend literally my whole fucking life with? Like, I sleep touching this dog. I wake up, I work in the same room as this dog every day. The fact that I'm going away for 10 days breaks my heart because I'm not gonna be with my dog. Now, look, I understand that like basically the whole point of being a fucking human is to keep the species going, right? We have these really strong instinctual moments where when we have a child, we're meant to supposedly I don't know allegedly because I haven't had the experience and also had the snip for over eight years now that when we see that child and when we touch that child and when we start to connect with that child that bond is going to be so overwhelmingly strong that it's going to be not only in their best interest but our best interest to do anything we possibly can to help that child live as long as possible now now I understand that I understand that humans have instincts and I understand that that particular one is so strong because it's important to have that connection with the child so that you can give the best possible opportunity to live in the best possible world so that moving forward, they can then bring their child into a better world, right? And, dude, don't even get me started on that. The point is though, and this is coming from someone who wasn't a dog person before they got a dog, like, I really love my dog. Okay, my dog has made me appreciate the world that I live in. My dog has made me want to be a better person. But fuck me, I just can't bring it up around people with new children. You don't get it, bro. <laughs> Love for your dog. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So good. So good. Just not around people with new babies. So Riz's birthday was last week. Happy birthday, Larissa. You have my heart. I hope the very best for this 24th year of existence that you have on this planet. And I hope that we continue to have brilliant and memorable experiences together with our dog that we love. Okay? Sound like I was being sarcastic. I wasn't. We went to Crown Towers, which by the way was fucking bizarre. It's $750 a night. 
and that's only for like level six and this building has like 900 and something levels okay so level six is basically they shouldn't even write six on the button in the elevator it should just say bitch right because you get people on there it's like oh what level are you going to and they're like oh i'm going level you know i'm going level 12 you know and it's like oh i'll just i'm going level bitch <laughs> yeah we only got the 750 dollar per per night room yeah where the where the budget ones around here so we're on we're on level six, which was still. I mean, when you're in there, you're like, well, I'm fucking pretty high off the ground, you know. You ever wonder like, every time you're high, that like, you know, you might stand on your green wheelie bin. You're like, oh, this is pretty high. But then you go like level ten in a building. You're like, I'm not supposed to be here. I don't think humans are ever meant to be this high off the ground unless they're on a mountain. You know, there's something so like eerie about being hot and it's not necessarily being scared of it it's just like no i'm pretty sure i'm not meant to be here you know it's like it's like you know when you're in fucking high school and like for whatever reason you're in like the girls toilets or something you're like i i don't know what it is but i should probably go you know so it's like being level six you've got basically everything in the room is operate on the ipad right so you want to open the you want to open the sheer curtains, you want to open the real curtains, you want to close them, you want to order room service, you want to flush the toilet, you want to turn the lights on, you want to change the aircon. Everything is done on the fucking iPad. So hey, flex. I get it. I get it. Okay, cool. Starting to get some of that seven hundred and fifty dollar value back for a night though. But so we got we got the full service. We got the valet parking. We got the bottle of white wine. You know, it's uh, I'm not sure what else we got. Let me think. Oh, and you know, we obviously got the privilege of being able to take that iconic photo of the pool. So we were facing the city in that. So yeah, it's a city facing room. I think that's part of the value. And of course, you know, it didn't really happen if you didn't get a photo there. So of course you get your photo there. Very cool, very interesting experience. It's definitely something that in my tax bracket, it's not something I'm gonna normalize. It's definitely a very um, exclusive experience. It's something that I wanna kind of maintain. It's something we do on occasion. Um, um, it definitely motivates me to make enough money that I can afford, you know, a thousand dollar nights at a place out, uh, definitely makes me wonder how the fuck all of the normal people in my life do it. Right? Because two scenarios, okay. Two scenarios. You either can't afford to do it or you can't afford to do it and you shouldn't be doing it. Right? Let me explain. The people who I see doing it in my life are people that, perfectly fit into those categories they either work a job where it's like well you're obviously a drug dealer if you're going to the fucking crown towers and you work as a apprentice mechanic or you work as a fucking you know you're doing tafe three days a week or something it's like just so obnoxiously like out of your price range in which case why the fuck do it you know, like I, I, for once every now and then, sure. But if you're like one of these people that like four times a year goes to Crown Towers and you make under $70,000 a year, I'm questioning all of your decision-making. Like I have to. And if you can afford it and you're doing it all the time, but you're still like super middle, middle, middle class, dude, buy a fucking house. Or if you've already got a house, buy another house and build equity. Do that shit when you can afford to do it for a week and it doesn't, it's not a drop in the ocean. You know, it doesn't make sense that any of the middle class will stay there. But the fucking crazy part is that's all who stays there. Like we like this is the thing for something that costs seven hundred and fifty dollars a night. We had to wait like 20 minutes in the line to check in like it was a fucking airplane. 
Like, that's middle-class shit. If I'm paying $750 a night, dude, I want you to wipe my ass. I don't even want to have to say that I'm ready. I want you to know. It's crazy. It's like that point about Louis Vuitton and Gucci and all this shit. When you see people lining up for those stores, dude, that's not rich people lining up, standing on the street. That's people who can't afford it, who either saved up or are buying shit on tick. That's crazy to me. What's the purpose? If you can't like, if you can't fully fuck with it, you know, if you can't really go like, dude, like, you know, I, I live this life because I live this life. I rocked up in a Porsche, you know, I'm going home to a house that has a room that's as nice as this. I just wanted to get out of that sort of thing. That makes sense to me. And look, man, I'm, there's fucking heaps of holes in what I'm saying. But at the same time, like, I just feel like, like, there's a part of me that goes, I know that like, this isn't the norm. And that's what makes it crazy for me. And like, I can be grateful for it and I can appreciate it. But also $750, my business goes a long way as well. And that $750 today can mean that I can afford $750 regularly in, you know, no more than like five years time. And that's really pushing it out. You know, if I really make the right decisions for the next 12 months, oh, we can live at the Crown Towers if you want. You know, it's not like millionaires haven't been made in under a year. And there's no reason if other people have become millionaires in under a year that I can't do that as well. It doesn't mean that you can't as well, right? So then you go, okay, cool. Crown Towers, hell of an experience we can have. And this goes with a lot of these things that people like, oh, I'm going to go to Bali for fucking four days and spend 1500 bucks. It's like, bros, you, you know, 10 of those and you've got like a deposit for a house that you can then rent out and it can negative gear itself, you know, like, and then do that four times, uh, own all that and do, I, I'm not going to fucking make a business plan for you. But the point is you can like literally just do grind shit for five years and then live a hell of life for the rest of it or you can just spend every cent you've got plus another fucking 25% on loans and appear to have this life I don't know I don't know man I'd rather go without and, and live forever than go with and pay for it for the rest of my life you know because the, the problem is it's not like what you're seeing isn't the actual problem it's the fact that behind the scenes that washing machine of, of debt continues to grow and grow and grow and all of a sudden you're like oh fuck it i'll just um redraw on the house i'll redraw 10 grand on the house and we'll go on holiday and we'll do this and we'll do that you don't really feel it. it's like no 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 you're just further in debt now that 10 grand that you borrowed is probably going to be 17 by the time you actually pay it back you know this idea that it's like cool oh, cool i've already got this much debt but i'm on 200 grand a year so it doesn't fucking matter it does matter if you're on so much money just save it up before you start Go into the shop with the cash. You know, if you are so rich, right? Dude, what the fuck do I know? I don't, it's the first time I've been to Crown Towers. What else we got here? Dude, Riz won more money at the casino than she walked in with. What the fuck? I pumped 30 bucks into there and lost it quicker than I fucking... Fi don't worry. So, uh, count. Oh, dude, I, I tell you what. This one fucking... It's funny because, you know, we're at the shops yesterday... I'm doing the shopping and we go to the bread section and I get the bread and I put it in the trolley. <clears throat> now we usually eat about two thirds of the bread before it either goes moldy or we get more bread. And when I put the bread in the trolley, Riz goes like, now make sure, make sure you finish the other bread before you start this bread. I'm like, oh no, <laughs> no, I'll take the fresh bread. Thank you. As soon as we get home, that other bread is done to me. Mm -hmm. The only reason that I don't throw it out is to be courteous to the bread itself. Okay, I'm respectful. 
So I thought to myself, am I wrong here? Should I eat the old bread before I eat the fresh bread? Letting that fresh bread turn into old bread before I get to it? Or do I just go straight to the fresh bread and get the most amount of value for the money that we spent for the bread? And I'm fine with being wrong. I don't care if I'm wrong here, but it just seems like the thing that you would do is once you get home, disregard the other bread because you've got a whole loaf of fresh bread. And if you know on average you don't eat all the bread, then you may as well start on the new bread because that's fresh bread. And I don't know if you know, but I'm here to get this bread, all right? I'd be bread getting. I'm the main bread getter of this house. I'm not Riz's, right? She keeps this house afloat, but I'd be getting that bread. These are the real hard-hitting topics that I've got to fucking decipher in my brain and figure out so I can be the best possible version of me moving forward, brother. Do we eat the fresh bread? Do we leave the other bread out? We've had heaps of like nice birds come to the bird bath lately. So I've got a bird bath out the back here. And dude, just in general, my gardening, my gardening is just stepping up. You understand? My shit is so good at the moment. Everything's flowering. Everything's weed free. My lawn is looking good. All it needs a bit of a, a bit of a fucking, what do you call it when you mow it? It needs a mow. But other than that, my shit's tight, okay? If you were some sort of, uh, you know, horticulturalist or uh, what's that weird name for people who climb trees? Uh, and uh, no, uh, starts with A. Starts with A, an abortionist. It's not that. Aberist. An, 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 an aber- a, fuck. If you're someone who cuts down trees, you'd walk in here and just be like, bro, who the fuck's looking after all this greenery? And you know what I'd do? I wouldn't even say anything. I'd just look down, smirk, and look up. And then they'd be like, no. And I'd just go, <laughs> like that. They'd be like, there's, I thought you only made clothes. I didn't realize that you, and, like, you, and, you, and then me, I'd just be walking away, bro. I'd just be walking away. I don't have to tell them. I don't have to drop the mic. I just let it sink in, all right? I let them know. I let them know. So from now on, they know who the fucking boss is. Okay. So all of my green shit's looking good. I uh, replanted a bonsai the other day because obviously, you know, Japanese at heart. I am getting my lawn looking really good. And the icing on the cake is my bird bath is actually finally starting to attract birds. Right. And they'll come, they'll come for a social drink. They'll come for a bit of a wash, a bit of a play. Uh, sometimes they'll go from the bath to my hanging pot in the tree and they'll spend some time hanging out there. It's kind of like a, a hotel, kind of a, a vacay club sort of thing. No membership required. And it did start as just, your, you know, I had a lot of crows at the start, turned into butcher birds. And now we're looking at 28 with just magnificent tail pieces on them, okay? And does it make me feel fulfilled in a way? Yes. It does because, I don't know, there's something about being surrounded by beauty. There's something about being surrounded by plants, actually, that I find really refreshing. So I've got like one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I've got like nine, 10 plants in here. And ever since bringing the plants in here, it's like, you don't, it's never stagnant, right? So if you come in here in the middle of the day, I've got some incense burning, maybe we've got the aircon on, it's just nice and fresh in here. And then you've got the greenery and like the plants. The, the thing about plants is like, you've fucking committed 
to this life force that you're going to keep it alive. This plant needs you. If you're going to take it out of its natural habitat, you're going to put it in a pot, you're going to trim it, you're going to do whatever you want to it to make it look it's, you know, what you think is the best, then that's your responsibility, dude. You've got to fucking, now you made this commitment to this plant, you've got to keep it alive. And I'm cool with that. I allocate time in my day for my plants and I make sure they're always watered, they're fertilized, that, you know, if there's anything going on, I see to that, you know, maybe they're too moist or maybe they're not moist enough or whatever, whatever moisture issues they have, I'm the fucking man, you know, they can lean on me because I'm the guy who put them there, right? And it's funny that, you know, the first little bit of owning plants, you're like, oh, it's exciting, like it moved from here to there because the sun moved or... You know, this, this, it grew a new leaf or something. And then you get to the point where you've seen every single one of your plants, which for me is dozens, all grow new leaves or all go through a cycle or all drop their leaves and grow new ones or, you know, go bad for a couple of months and then come good again. Or you've had to move them from this spot to that spot so they get more sun or less sun. And then you start like writing a story with them, you know? You get to see them like, I've seen plants that I thought they were no good. I thought they were ugly, you know, like what's going to, what are we even going to do with this thing? And now they've taken this new direction and they've grown new leaves and they've flowered for me and they've done something, you know, and now it's like, it's a part of the culture of this room. It's like part of the culture of black ink in a way. It like inspires me, you know, you know, sometimes you look at a plant, I know it's a very specific analogy, but, you know, plants doing this one particular thing, then all of a sudden, you know, it's growing heaps of new shoots out the end of itself, and then it will grow just this new one over here. And you're like, whoa, dude, if that was black ink in a metaphoric sense, what is that new shoot over here? What could that possibly be? How do I tie that into what I'm doing? How do I let that inspire me? How do I let that you know, promote creativity in whatever I'm doing. And it's, it's funny, man. It's fucking powerful. You know, sur- surround yourself with life and give yourself to that life and be vulnerable to that life. You know, I want to say, even though it's a plant, be vulnerable to it, but I feel like it's disrespecting the plant itself, right? It's like this thing lives. It lives. If you pull the plant out of the soil and you put it on concrete and come back two days later, it's dead, Right. But then if you leave it in that soil and you water it and you give it love and you give it sunshine and you give it, you know, things, the food that it needs to eat, it will grow. It's alive, right? And it's perception of time. Sorry, it's perception of time. That's such a wild fucking tangent to go on in that moment. But we like, because they take so long to move and so long to respond to these things and so long isn't actually that long. It's just not as quick as us. You know, I'm thirsty. I drink water. Whereas like a plant goes, I want to move to where the sun is. And it's like, I'm going to take a day to do it. This is just it moving really slowly. And this is even super fast for a plant. Because it operates on that time scale, we go, oh, fuck a plant. You know, it takes a tree 100 years to be that big. Bro, it took me like fucking 18 years to get this big. I'm the man, right? But man, like, I don't know. Maybe I've just gone deep on the whole plants thing, but being surrounded by plants is giving me like this added depth into my own life and like my own reflection, like, dude, Remember when you got this plant, what condition it was in? What condition were you in? You know, did you love yourself? Or maybe I can see myself as the plant that someone else put into their studio and they gave it water and they gave it love and they gave it attention and the food that it needed. Now I've turned into this thing that I am now, right? Dude, creative metaphors off the fucking dome. You're welcome. That one's for free. The next one I will invoice you for. So just be prepared for that one in the mail. Now look, is there anything else on the, on the list? Let's have a look. Obviously wrote this on the back of a Brampton House Zero Twist Rib Bath Towel Tag. Find those at your local Kmart. This is not a paid advertisement, all right? Um, 
Okay, one of the notes in here is cookbooks. Don't know what that is. Uh, okay, let me think. Cookbooks, cookbooks. Um, cookbooks. Nah, that doesn't help at all. Next time we'll have to make more than one note in the on the list to... Uh, you know what I'm saying. But dude, life has been fucking good lately, hey. Life has been good. I've been trying to exercise my ability to create content for people. By the way, let's go back a topic and a half because I just realized I forgot to finish what I was talking about. And that's fine because I'm human. And I'm just doing this in one take. That's right, one take. If you go back and look at all the podcasts, all of them are from start to finish, no editing, nothing. Just me talking off the dome like a fucking robot, dude. So... When talking about Black Ink and the future moves for Black Ink and the ability to go like, oh, I'm good at uh, creating the product, I'm good at marketing, I'm good at selling it. One thing that's been going on in the background of my life as just a daily task is like create, 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 create. Whether it's images, videos, music, ideas, concepts, community, whatever it is, keep on creating, keep on executing and keep on giving it to the public. Now, this has given me two things. It has given me a voice in this town as a person who does things, which I do all the time, without fail, really well, right? That's what I do, and I'm happy about it. And I like doing it, and I like exercising that muscle over and over and over again. So not only do people build up trust in me, but I build up trust in me as well. Because at the end of the day, I'm still the person who, you know, say this cleanup that I just did the other day, which we'll talk about in a second, you still have to be the person who rocks up to the cleanup. You have to be the person who picks up the rubbish. You have to be the person who tries to motivate other people to do this great thing. You have to be the person who knows how to, come up with the event and you have to do everything, right? And it's easy just to be that person, but it's not like every time like I've had no anxiety or I haven't been scared that it's not going to work or I've been out on a limb just going like, what the fuck am I doing? Every time I have that feeling, it's just every time you get a little bit better at managing it or turning it into a fuel that can help you execute the thing you're trying to execute or take the action you're trying to take. So the second thing that it's also forced me to do is get good at creating content. So what that has done is now I've got these like abilities with the technology that I've got, which is my phone and the apps to do apps on the phone that help me build all the things that I build. It's given me the ability to understand what's valuable to the end viewer or the end audience or the end customer. And it's also helped me understand how to capture that thing that's valuable on the front end. So you come to me and you say, hey, Jake, I've got these shoes that I want to I want to get a cool video of. So I go, right. How do we make these shoes look cool? What's a customer actually looking for? What does a customer find important and how do we highlight that in your shoe? How does your shoe solve that particular problem? Right, how much time do we have to work with? You wanna make a minute long video? Do you wanna make a 15 minute documentary? Do you wanna make a five second clip for YouTube and for Instagram and for TikTok? What exactly do you wanna make? And then what have we got to work with? What's the background? Where are we doing? What's the set? Who's the model? Where are the shoes? What are the socks we're doing with it? All of this. And then being able to put all this together in my mind, record the content, edit it, and then post it. So, as I said before, we are taking the strengths of what Black Ink already has. Now, this set of strengths that I'm talking about is a skill set in that it's something that I have isolated in my mind. Oh, I know how to visualize this thing. I know how to figure out how I would record that thing. And I know how I would edit it together once it's done. And I know how I would give it to the internet or give it to the particular platform it's going to go on to, whether it's Instagram or YouTube or TikTok or Facebook or whatever you want, even be real. 
right? So I know how all those things work and I know that I've got a skill set there and I know that in the future, I'm gonna need that skill set to be razor sharp because this is the future. Social media marketing, organic social media marketing is basically the most valuable thing that you can have right now because it means that people genuinely fuck with what you're doing and if you're already selling products, it means you have the evidence to, to show that they're gonna pay for the product that you have on offer to sell, product or service. So I have been basically saying to anyone and everyone, if you've got something cool that I can record, I'll come make content for you for free. I'll make you look like a fucking rock star, okay? Now, this is something that I could definitely monetize right away. I could find those same people in charge of them, $100, $1,000, whatever you want, because I know that my ability is so good that I can do that now. I can do that. That was something I couldn't do two years ago, but I can fully do that now. If you've got a product, whatever your business is, I can come to you, we can sit down in half a day, I can devise a full plan, and then the following half of the day, we can make that video, and you can start using it to immediately start making money again, right? But I don't do that. I see this as an opportunity to do as much work as I possibly can and to do it in a fast manner, right? Because that's what a lot of this is gonna come down to is your ability to do it in a, in a way that means that you can execute from start not having an idea to finish having a piece of polished content that someone can post in under six hours, right? I wanna be able to do all of that in under six hours so that I can do this so consistently that I don't have to focus too hard on any one piece of content because I'm putting so much content out that eventually one, two, three, four, five, six is gonna you know, pick up, go viral, create heaps of money, however it does, even if it's not for me, it continues to build the stock in Jake Kerr and Black Ink. So I'm just excited at the moment to be offering that particular service for free to basically whoever. Now, I at least wanna fuck with what they're doing a little bit. I, I understand that it is exercising another muscle by trying to make something that you don't believe in look good, but I feel that there is something disingenuous to my own time if I'm there going like, I don't fucking wanna record how these kids' toys are cool. You know, like that doesn't interest me. I feel weird doing it, you know? But if you've got like, for example, if you've got a car that you wanna get a wicked fucking video of, I am the guy. I love cars, I love videos, I can use my skates, we can do what, you know, we can work with that. So. I'm just excited to be doing, uh, I'm excited to have isolated that I really enjoy doing that in my own skill set and in my own time. And I'm very excited to be able to really like push that into the business and create a space for that so that in the future that can create money, that's its own income stream, that's its own, that's its own separate thing. So very exciting, very, very, very exciting. So. We did our cleanup the other day, which was the second ever official black ink cleanup effort. The first one was, of course, at Turkey Point at the cut, which was about a month ago. We collected over, I think it was like six, seven, eight bags, like those big Hessian sacks of rubbish. We collected two car seats that had been dumped out there, I think from like a patrol or something. And <clears throat> we had about 10 people show up. It was a great time. Thank you to everyone who did show up to that. Now, number two was at Rocky Point while up. While up is the spot that is to the right or to the north of Back Beach. It's that whole point from there to the Lighthouse Hotel. It's about a stretch of maybe a kilometer. It's all um, beach, dunes, um, park area. There's a playground. There's a couple of footpaths. There's some barbecue areas. And basically, it's just a beautiful spot in Bunbury that <coughs> being across from the Runners Club and also being parallel to the car spaces that are available for caravanners and, uh, you know, the people who drive their buses around the country and the minivans and stuff like that, they can all park up there for free for two nights, I think. So there's a lot of tourism there. 
It's definitely an iconic spot in Bunbury and it's just super pretty. If you go there at sunset or sunrise, it's amazing. The vibe there is beautiful. There's nice smells in the air, the sounds of the ocean, amazing. So Black Ink has actually opted to adopt this spot. What that means is we're gonna be looking after while up Rocky Point in an ongoing fashion, ongoing, and we're gonna be making sure that that spot is beautiful always. So if you're a tourist, if you're a citizen of Bunbury or anyone in between and you're down there, you don't have any eyesores, you don't have anything that's taking away from the ocean or from the grass or from all the brilliant efforts of the city of Bunbury. So I'm going to be hosting regular cleanups down there where people can come and join me. Now I don't feel like making an event on Facebook and promoting the fuck out of it as a way to go. I'm gonna let people know that I'm doing it once I'm doing it and after I've done it. And for those who show interest in it, I'm just gonna let them know, hey, I'm heading down there on Friday. If you'd like to join, great. But as far as making it a public event where anyone can come, I feel like people get a bit suspended from giving their attention and energy to it because they don't know who else is gonna be down there. They don't wanna be, that moment where they rock up in the car park and they have to look around for where they've gotta to walk to and then they've gotta walk up and be like, hi, my name's such and such and I'm here to help pick up rubbish. Like. That's so overwhelming for people that I get it, you know? Being a human in 2023 is scary. We've had over 10 years of sending sending each other messages and looking at fucking hardcore pornography on the internet that doesn't really matter anymore about, you know, being good physically in person. You just kind of opt out on sending emails and text messages. So that in moments of like offering your time as a volunteer picking up rubbish at the beach is just so overwhelming that you end up not doing it anyway. Hey, I might be wrong, but I'll put money on that I'm right, all right? So, I'll be doing that in the future. If you feel the need or feel the want to come down and help me, I would very much appreciate it. Come down, let's have a chat, let's walk along the ocean, have some fun, right? Pick up some rubbish, keep our town looking beautiful. I'm gonna be doing a few spots outside of Wild Up as well because I've just noticed there's a few spots that I frequent that have rubbish on them and for a selfish reason, I wanna clean them up. I wanna ride past or drive past that spot and not see shit everywhere, okay? I think it's a very... Um, productive thing to do as a citizen of this town and through my deep love for my dog I've actually established this want to create a beautiful world not only for my dog but for other people who have dogs and for other people who walk their dogs and who just want to enjoy their time without looking at like someone else's fucking juice box that they left there three weeks ago when they were driving past at four o'clock in the morning stoned out of their mind on cannabis right I don't know what the story was but you know, I just think it'd be cool, you know, because I have such a deep love for my dog that no one who's ever had a baby would understand. I just, I want a better world, you know, and ever since having Louie and, and really, really, you know, just like giving her my heart, I've kind of understood that like, it's my duty as a person who lives to not only make my life better, but make other people's life better. And I can do that by picking up rubbish. It's for free. And as it turns out, I've got two feet in a heartbeat, had the doctor check. So fuck it, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna pick up rubbish. You can't stop me. Um, I had one person try and stop me, put him in an armbar, choked him out. He's still unconscious, so keep that in mind. But yeah, basically, you know, this is, uh, this is an invitation to you, by the way, if you're walking along somewhere and you're like, damn, it's fucking messy here, I fully give you permission to go back with a bag and collect that shit up, right? And you know what? Post it on Instagram. Everyone will think you're a fucking sick cunt. Everyone will be like, damn, Look at Daniel collecting the rubbish down at, um, not Brocky Point, because I've got that spot. Go somewhere else, you know. Like, oh, he's collecting all the rubbish at that park in Dale Up, that where there's all there's new, all this new construction in Dale Up. And dude, what the fuck is with construction workers, right? They're like, they're, it's so crazy. And look, I bet you they've got a good excuse for it as well. But they go somewhere and like, say they're an electrician. They rock up and they're like, yep, right. 
put the bit in the wall, drop the rubbish on the ground. And then they're like, oh yeah, I've got to fucking put this in. All the sawdust and shit everywhere. And it's like, oh yeah, cool, man. And they're like, smoke a shit. Throw the cigarette butt over there. And they're like, it's not my fucking job. You paid me to put the light on the wall, not to pick up my cigarette butt. No, this is all your rubbish. You, you, this is all, you paid for all this stuff that I, it's all your rubbish. Like, what the fuck is that? Like that, just, just so we're clear, like I understand there's probably a full system in place for people in construction to like, for all this rubbish and that to get collected. But, what I am seeing basically everywhere where there's construction sites where they're building houses, just gen pop houses, it's like there's shit everywhere around it. Like, I know that you're so fucking busy. You God, I can't even imagine how fucking busy you must be. But like the rubbish that you create, you can collect and just contain in that area. You know, like it doesn't have to be, and I'm sure like anything, it's the, it's the minority who are ruining it for the majority. But at the end of the day, like, that's that's real clearly just making our, our area look shit. Like that just makes an area look fucked when there's rubbish everywhere. I don't think that's that crazy to, to draw that connection that like when you go to a uh, like a bad a badly ma- maintained country, the first thing that you'll notice is that there's a lot of rubbish and it's not collected. And it's like, we live in such a fucking awesome place. Like you have to understand that. We live in a place that literally collects your rubbish once a week for you. All you gotta do is put it in the bin, and then it gets collected. And on a job site, it's crazy because there's this massive steel bin that you don't even have to lift the lid on. You can just put your rubbish in there. And most of the time, you've got some apprentice that you abuse the fuck out of. Why don't you just give them the job of putting the shit in the bin? Now, again, it's not my domain. I don't understand how this thing happens, how these things happen. What I do understand is the end result is that there is rubbish everywhere around construction sites, right? So just because, this is your reason, right? Write this down. Honestly, write it down. Because you live in a beautiful place. Because you live in a place where when you flick the switch, the light comes on. And when you turn the tap on, water comes out. And when you take the bin out, the rubbish man collects it. Because you live in that place, clean up after yourself. And that's not just construction workers. That's everyone. Like, don't just throw shit out the window. Because I know you think, ah, it's just one bit of rubbish. There's 10 million dickheads like you think it's just one bit of rubbish. And now there's 10 million bits of rubbish. You know? And like, especially, especially if there is a bin within eyesight, get off your fucking ass and put it in the bin, right? And I get it. You never had a parent to tell you that or you think you're fucking cool because you leave rubbish around. You're not. You're a dickhead who hasn't owned a dog yet and don't understand what it is to love something so fucking passionately that you understand you've got to throw out your rubbish, okay? Parents will never understand that. That's a dog owner thing, okay? Bro, can you imagine if you're walking your dog and it stepped on a bit of glass that someone else smashed on the ground? Ha! Oh, 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 if I know who they are, I've got to kill them. <laughs> you know, you cut open my, my Louis paw, I kill you. I kill you, okay? That's a joke, by the way. It's not. But yeah, dude, I don't know. I've just been feeling it lately. I've been picking up rubbish. I've been feeling good about it. People are fucking blowing me up because I'm doing a great thing for the community, I guess, you know? No, I love it. I love it. And I love it when people come and get involved because they just want to, you know? I've met... About half a dozen people that I never met before because they just saw that I was doing it and they came down as well. Dude, it's more courageous for you to come and join me than it is for me to do the whole thing, okay? I'm just a weird fucking extrovert dude who likes doing things in the public eye. I'm an attention whore. You're just a dude or a chick who does whatever you do and then you decide to do this thing with me. So I applaud you if you're that person. I applaud you if you're that person in the future and are being inspired right now to come and join me to pick up rubbish or just do it in your own time for yourself how fucking spectacular that is, okay? Now look, 
I think that's all I've got to talk about. I feel like you're sick of my voice. I'm sick of my voice. This is uh, this has been a beautiful podcast, and I hope look. I hope one day we both look back at this podcast and go, look at where he was at that moment and look at where he is now. And I hope that is the absolute same for you. Look, be good to your mum. Don't forget to call your grandparents and tell them that you love them if you still can, okay? that's a really, If you still can, just call them up. Hey, what's up? I just wanted to hear your voice. just want to tell you that I love you. I will tell you that I'm having a good day. I hope you're having a good day. What's been going on? 20 minutes. Look, Nan, I've got to go. It's been great talking to you. Thank you. I love you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Bang. Do you know what that does? Do you know what that fucking does? That means that when you're a fucking old wrinkled up Nana or Popper, you're going to be getting that call from someone who's paying it forward to you, okay? Because some weird dude with face tattoos and a podcast told them to tell their grandmother, okay? That's all it is. Be good to your mum because I am fucking out. You!